We're in this series, and we're calling it This Is Us. And it all started uh, with this. The whole, the whole idea of the message started with this. It was a conversation. And this is Jesus speaking now. This is Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus speaking, he says, a second is equally important. A second what? A second command. Jesus had just been asked by a Pharisee. A Pharisee was trying to trick Jesus. First the Pharisees, then the Sadducees. Now a Pharisee comes back and this guy's an expert. He's the expert of all. It says he's an expert in the law. Verse right before it. And he's going to try to trap Jesus. going to try to trick Jesus. And so his question was, Jesus, of all the commands in the, in the Old Testament, in all the commands in the Mosaic Law, which is what they had at that time, right? of all those commands, there were 613 of them. Which one? is the single most important. And Jesus gave the answer that would be very obvious to us. Well, what do we think? What, what do we think is most important? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. I mean, that just makes sense, right? But before he even takes a breath, Jesus says, a second is equally important, which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, i just got to stop you there. When I read this, personally, for me, it's a little difficult to swallow. And that really... Really, this, Jesus didn't said is pretty good. He said, this is equally as important as loving God. Followers of Christ, just take note for just a second. Because sometimes we think this, this is all that matters. This is really all that matters. No, this absolutely matters. But he's saying equally important is that we love our neighbor as ourselves, And then this comment again, we've talked about this, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, meaning your entire Bible, that's what he's saying, the law and the prophets are based on these two commands. That's where we started it. And so we've been looking at how do we behave toward people? Because that's as equally important as this. How are we relating to people? How do, what is Christian Christ-like behavior? What does it look like? So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles, Luke Chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you pull it up on a digital, it'll oftentimes ask you, what translation do you want? We use New Living Translation. If you don't have a physical hard copy Bible, just, this is just my two cents worth. I love pulling up on my phone when I, when I have to. There's something to me very unique. Now, I'm, I'm old now. I'm a caveman. And so I like hard copy because it feels to me. But also, here's the other thing. Circle. Write notes, scribble, highlight, write a word down, underline. I can do all those things and go back and review it later. All right? If you don't have a hard copy Bible, we bought them for you. They're in the lobby, and they're on high-top tables on the ends. You just have to be aware we have English Bibles and we have Spanish Bibles, so get the right one. Got it? If you have a Luke chapter 1, stand to your feet for me. And just a reminder, at our church, we always stand to our feet when we read the primary text. And the reason, again, is because we honor the Word of God, and we believe this isn't just somebody who wrote a book right? This is God's word, and it's just a reminder for us. That's all. I'm starting in verse 26, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he'll reign over Israel forever. 
His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. We celebrate that. We know that your word is life and truth to us. And so this morning, Father, we need understanding. And so, Holy Spirit, we know that you're present. We know that you're here. We know that you give insight and understanding. And that's what we're asking, Spirit. Give us insight and understanding into the Holy Word that it'll mean into our lives, that it'll speak into our lives, that it'll have meaning for us. Give us understanding, Spirit, is what we pray. Do this in a way that only draws us to the Father. God, you be glorified this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So we'll back this up and we'll look at this. Remember this, our goal is to study the Word and then apply the Word, right? So the passage starts out like this. It says, you can see this in your Bible, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Who's Elizabeth? Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. They're cousins. Jesus and John the Baptist were second cousins. That's the Elizabeth here in the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Who's from Nazareth? Jesus, yes. It's a village in Galilee. That's in the north. To a virgin, very important, named Mary. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And God is sending the angel Gabriel to her. Then it continues. It says, she, Mary, is engaged. That's very important. And she's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. By the way, you need to know this. Very important. This will all come together. He is a descendant of King David. Got it? All right. So Gabriel appears to her and he says this, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, as soon as, first of all, let's just be honest, uh, I'm not going to say ever, but in the last, in the last three months, how many of you have had just an angel appear? Most of you? Yeah, me too. And so this is weird. Like, it's cool. It's just, this is Gabriel. This is the angel of the Lord. But, but I mean, like, if you're Mary, what? Like, this angel just appears. And not only does the angel appear, but the Lord says, uh, the angel says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now look in your Bibles, the very next, the very next verse. Look at it. It says, Mary is confused, and what's the word? She's disturbed. Yes, because an angel appears to you and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord, like, I'd be a little alarmed. What's going on here? Well, Mary was confused, and Mary is disturbed. It says, you, the angel says, Gabriel, you will conceive and you'll give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. Now, just stop and think about this for a minute. This is actually very bad news for Mary. She's a virgin. She's engaged. Now, engagement is very different than our form of engagement. Okay? They have three steps, three levels. You have an engagement in the Hebrew culture at that time in ancient Israel. In the engagement period, the two families get together. They agree on these kids getting married. They have an agreement, like they're all good to go, right? 
The families are good with it. Then you have the betrothal. The betrothal is a little more like our engagement, except that it's a deal. Like they very well may sign a document. The husband, the, the, the male, he's not husband yet, but he would actually give something like a ring, something of value, or there would be a contract signed and now you are betrothed. When it said that she was engaged, the real word there is she's betrothed. And, and the, the betrothal period is so significant that it can only be broken by death or actual divorce. Okay, she's betrothed. She's a virgin. And the meaning here isn't that you will conceive as in like, hey, someday you're going to have a kid. Right? This is Mary. This is Mary. Mary knows the scriptures. She knows where this is going. She knows the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah said this. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive. She would have known this. The virgin will conceive. Not a virgin is going to get married and then eventually have children. No, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. The virgin will give birth to a son and she'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Mary would have known this. When she hears this news, this is actually terrible news initially for her. That's why she's confused. That's why she's disturbed. The angel comes, and now the angel is saying some stuff that's really, it's disturbing to her. It's troubling her. Then he continues back to our passage in Luke. He'll be very great, speaking of this son that's going to be born. He'll be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Now, just so you know this, Mary's tracking. Mary's tracking. She knows where this is going. She understands what Gabriel is saying. He continues, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary gets it. First, she gets news. She's a virgin. She's betrothed. She's not just engaged. She's betrothed. It's a contract. That contract can only be broken by death or divorce. And now she's told him that as a virgin, she's going to conceive. You do understand that as a virgin who is now betrothed, right, she can technically be taken out and stoned to death. This is a young girl. She may be 16 years old. She's got to be losing her marbles here. But then the angel comes and speaks to Gabriel and says this. He'll be the son of of the Most High. His his kingdom will never... Mary knows. Mary knows exactly what Gabriel is saying. You're going to bear the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And Mary's thinking has to instantly go from like, wow, I'm panicked. I could be dragged out of town and stoned. And all of a sudden she says now to herself, wait a minute. The child that I'm about to have is going to meet the biggest possible need that mankind has. Because you all got needs and I got needs. Some of you, some of you, you need is you need a job right now. Some of you need fixing of a relationship. Some of you need a, you need a few bucks. You're in a little financial hole. Some of you have needs like I don't have a place to live currently, or I don't know where I'm coming up with rent, or I don't know where I'm getting food. Some of you have needs like that. And those needs are very real, and I'm not minimizing those at all. But the greatest need that we have possible is to be at peace with the God of creation. 
That's a need to be reconciled to God because that has eternal consequences. And Mary just got it in her head based on what the angel said that she's about to have the Messiah, the one who can make peace between God and man, who can bring you and I into relationship with God. Some of you may not be there yet. You say, hey, Neil, I don't really call myself a Christ follower. I just happen to pop into church today. Somebody invited me, and I'm just checking it out. I'm just keeping the distance. I'm a little curious. To which I say, love it. Love that you walked into church. Love that you came to our church. Love that. Keep searching. Before we're done today, I'll tell you how you can be at peace with God, how you can have a relationship with God. But Mary gets it. She gets that the deepest need that mankind has is to be at peace with God, to be reconciled with God. She knows that mankind needs a Savior, and she knows that she's about to be a part of that. And so Mary instantly goes from, wow, I'm confused and disturbed. Wow, they could drag me out of town. They could stone me on the edge of town. Wow, all of that bad stuff could happen to me. And watch how she responds, because she knows she can meet a need now. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. Like, that's how she instantly identifies herself? Why? Because she knows that, that this is a need, that people have a sincere need, and she can step into that. I'm the Lord's servant. Not, not only is that not a bad thing, I'm saying this. May everything that you have said about me come true. A little later in the chapter, that's Mary's song, and she says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary saw a need. She identifies herself as a servant, as a helper, and regardless of the cost to herself, she's prepared to step into, into that need. See, that's a behavior. That is a Christ-like, that is a Christian behavior that says there's a need and I'm prepared to step into it. Even sometimes at great cost to myself. Now, Mary's great we believe that, that Mary was the mother of Jesus. We don't worship Mary. Let me show you the same behavior in Christ. You know this, that John was the closest apostle of Jesus. That they, they were probably the closest. Jesus had his inner three, Peter, James, and John. But probably John was the closest. Right? John wrote the Gospel of John. And then John writes three epistles. Epistle is a big churchy word that just means letter. John wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. They're letters, and they're generally letters to a group of churches. It would have been a letter that rotated. Well, in 1 John, John writes this. My dear children, these, these are the followers of Christ. He's writing to Christians. I write this letter, the one we're reading here. I write this letter to you so you will not sin. John's trying to encourage him. Look, man, sin, we, we can't do that as followers of Christ, right? We've got to be living for Jesus. And then he says this, but if anyone does... Because John knows what a big deal that is. Sin isn't just like, meh, well, you know. No, sin is an affront to a holy God. It's a significant offense. Like, what would we do if it was just us and our sin? What, what would we do if no one came and stepped into our sin? Like, what would we do? And John says this, if anyone does sin, we have a helper. We have a helper who's in the presence of the Father. We're talking about Jesus Christ. The one who does what is right. John goes on and says this. He died in our place. See, that's why Jesus died. To take away our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all people. Many of you have accepted Christ, and you know that Christ has died for your sins. And you know that because of what Christ did, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, because we can have forgiveness, now you're reconciled to God. You already have experienced that. You know that. You're living in the tension of that. You're, you're walking in that. Some of you aren't there yet. Hang around. Just hang around. 
But I'm telling you what, Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of this. Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of this helper. He saw a need and a great cost to himself. He just stepped into it. He just stepped into it. This is a Christ-like behavior. This is very important, everybody, this relationship. Equally important, Jesus said, this isn't me. Jesus said, equally important to this is this. And this is one of those behaviors, right? So we're going to look at that just a little bit more. We want to look at what is that behavior. Now, here's the beauty of it. Some of you, you're just wired this way. So we should all be doing it. We should all be stepping into need. When we see need, we should all be stepping in as followers of Christ. But the beauty is, some of you are here, and you're just naturally wired that way. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know that I'm naturally wired that way. My wife, wired that way. It's what she does. It's how God made her. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not specifically how God made me. I'm still responsible. I still need to step into that. I still need to see need and meet need. Some of you, some of you in our church are just wired this way. And here's what I love about it. You model Christ for us in that way. When we see you and we see the way that you just naturally step into it without thinking. Now, I have to think a little bit. I have to think about it a little bit, and then I step into it. When we see those of you who that's how God made you, and you just step into it, you model Christ for us, and we love that. So let me give you just some things to think about. Am I naturally wired that way? Now, if you really want to know, we have the assessment on the front page of the website. You can do it. A, a, it's like a personality assessment. Like There are different types, and some of you are just wired this way. But here's some general thoughts for you. If you can't seem to say no when it comes to helping others, you might be this helper. You, you might just naturally be wired that way. Some, sometimes things just come up, and man, you, just, you don't even think. You just jump in. Mary didn't think very long. She just knew, like, wow, this is an opportunity for me to step into the greatest need that people have. That's why Jesus came. There was no thinking. He just came out of obedience to the Father. If you tend to be a great listener, and you easily remember the stories that make up people's lives, if that's you. Now, some of us have a little bit of these things, but some of you are predominantly this way. You just remember the stories. You remember people. You just think of it that way. If you're immediately anxious to overcome any misunderstandings in a relationship, you, you, you might just naturally be this helper. Like that might be the way you're wired. It, it, it's just, you, there's any turmoil in a relationship. You're like, I, I can't have this turmoil in a relationship, and you just got to jump in. You might naturally be a helper. If you seem to innately sense how others feel, now, this is a weird one for me because my wife is wired this way. She's definitely wired this way. So here's what happens. We get together with a group of people. There might be three or four couples. And we'll get home at the end. Of, you know, we're all just having conversation. And we'll get home at the end of the night. And she's like, man, what do you think is going on with John? Me. I don't know. John looked good, ate all his food. I think we're good. And a week later, I run into John. I said, brother, how you doing? He goes, Man, I'm doing a lot better but this week, but last week was real. I was really struggling. And helpers just, it's weird how they just sense that. They're so others focused, right? Some of you are just naturally wired this way. If you're far more comfortable giving than receiving, like it's really hard for you to receive. R receive a gift, receive a compliment receive just anything nice. If that's a, you might be, a, you might be one of these helpers. It might just be your natural inclination, your natural wiring. It's the way God made you. If it's important that others feel that you love them. Now listen to this. This is very interesting. Other people just absolutely got to know that you love them. 
even if you really don't. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so you'll just say really flattery things to people. Well, you may, like, just understand, that's just one of those signs. You may naturally be hired, uh, wired as a helper. If people oftentimes ask you what you need, and you don't know what to say, hey, what do you need? What, what do you really need? And you're like, uh, I don't have a clue. And the answer is because a lot of times you're not thinking about yourself. This is a beautiful thing. You're just constantly thinking about other people, thinking about other people. If you find it difficult to watch certain movies, and I love this one because, man, this plays out of our house. If you find it difficult to watch certain movies because you can't stand to see any form of suffering, like we cannot watch our house. We cannot watch Marley and Me. We cannot watch Old Yeller. Uh, the scene in The Lion King, Musafa gets trampled. We can't watch Lion King at our house because there's suffering. And my wife will say when stuff like that comes up, she's like, oh, my palms are sweaty and I don't know what, you know, I'm like, it's, and I tell her this all the time, baby, there's lights over there. There's a cameraman over there. It's all made up. It's all good, you know. You just naturally feel that way. And if you, feel, if you worry a great deal about being forgiven when you make mistakes, like you've made a mistake and you're afraid that you've hurt someone or you've let someone down, it's just really hard for you. If those things are true, a lot of those things are true of you in general, you very well may naturally be wired as one of these helpers. You may just naturally step into the situation. So let's look at this type of helper type of person, right? And again, this is the way God made you, and we love it because you speak into the body of Christ and you model Christ for us. Uh, these helpers are typically very service-oriented people. You might not know what to say, but you just do. Those are, those are oftentimes very much helpers. Tend to be very generous. You tend to create safe places for people, safe atmospheres for people. It's just something you kind of naturally do. Oftentimes, just a friend to everybody. Everybody loves you. This is true story, not deprecating humor at, at all. But people are like, Neil, mm, take him or leave him. Oh, Kimmy, love her. Love Kimmy. Right? That's oftentimes the helper. Some of you are that same way. You're just that way. A couple other things about it. Number one, how are you doing and what do you need are very common questions for the helpers. Always thinking of other people. This is, this is a way that you model Christ for us. Right? You have an uncanny sense of need. Just what I was talking about before. Just uncanny. You sense need in people. You just sense it. And then I say first and last. You are very oftentimes helpers. You are very oftentimes the first person to the crisis, and you're the last person to leave a dinner party. It's just the way you're wired. It, this is as true as true at our house. I'm like, dinner party? We, we finished dessert. Can we go now? He was like, no, we got to make nice nice. We got to stand around and talk. And I'm like, really? We do that? Okay. Helpers, you're just wired that way. You model Christ for us in so many cool, cool ways. Just love it. Now, we love all of that about you. You model Christ for us. We're saying this, doing this, is important, is as important as doing this. Jesus said that. So here's what Jesus also says. Jesus says, hey, you'll need to take a look at your lives sometimes, and you need to examine yourselves. Those are Jesus' words. He's told us that. Look what he says in Matthew 7. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Folks, some of us, th there's a log in our eye, right? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite. First, give her the log in your own eye. 
And then you'll see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. What Jesus is saying is, you folks, sometimes you don't take a hard enough look at yourselves. You don't look at, right? This is for all of us. For all of us. And the reason that I bring this up is because if you're this helper personality, if you're this helper type, and it just comes so natural to you, there's some potential downsides of that that you should be aware of. When you're really wired this way, so what we want to do is, Let the Holy Spirit speak. Just suspend judgment. Let the Holy Spirit speak, right? So in that vein, sometimes, these are generalizations, sometimes for those of you who just naturally step in, you naturally model Christ for us, these can be your downsides. Sometimes, for instance, your childhood message, for some reason you have internalized this, that I can only be loved through selflessness, goodness, and repression of my own needs. Now, question, is selflessness good, yes or no? Yes, right? Is goodness good, yes or no? Yes. Is repressing your own needs at times a good thing, yes or no? Yes. But here's the problem. The problem for some of you is that you've internalized this message that doing those things is the only way that I can be loved. The fact is this, God loves you for who you are and that our identity is in Christ. That's why we're we're the beloved children of God. We don't earn it, in any way, it is by the grace of God, right? This childhood message, so we can minister to these people really effectively by affirming them as people. Like if you know someone who's really wired like this, like I do, sometimes what we need to do is speak into the life and say, listen, 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 you, you don't have to do anything to be loved. You're a child of God. God loves you. You are the beloved of Christ. Right? That's one of the greatest ways that you can me- to minister to them. As a result of that message, then, their great fears are this, being rejected, being unwanted, and being unworthy of love. And so, again, the way that we can speak into their life, if you know somebody who's wired this way just naturally, they model Christ for us, and we love that. But potentially, just potentially, in general, this can be a struggle for them. And you can remind them that they are wanted, that they are worthy, that they are loved. That would be a great help. Now, the core sin of this generality, this personality, is very interesting, and it's a little perplexing, and I'll explain it to you. The core sin is pride. It's really interesting. And the reason that pride is the core sin is because this personality type tends to generally say, I really know. I'm the only one who knows how everyone feels. I'm really sensitive to it, and I really pick up on it, and so therefore, I'm the only one who knows how to fix this. I'm the only one who really knows how to help them. We have to do it exactly like I say, because I'm the one who knows. Now, may or not be true of you. May or may not be true of you if you're this helper type. But I'm just saying, suspend judgment. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Because the Holy Spirit is the only one who transforms us. Right? So we talk about this, that sometimes as followers of Christ, we fall into these unhealthy behaviors. These sinful, they're not just unhealthy, they're sinful behaviors. And we're most prone to that when we're under great stress, stressful situations, stressful days, stressful season, stressful people, or when I always use the acronym HALT. And this is just general, this is when we're very prone to sin. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Right? So if you're in a situation like that, just be aware. Be aware. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. There are times when I know I'm in that situation. If I'm really hungry, if my blood sugar is really low, and I'm like, don't say anything. Just don't say anything right now. Right? Okay. So let's look at some, some of the unhealthy, right? 
Sometimes when you're of this personality style, this is how the Satan likes to work on you, right? That very oftentimes you can be calculating. And that sounds weird, but the calculating part is this. If I say something really nice about them, if I do something really nice for them, they'll like me. They'll like me back. And so we oftentimes say things that are very flattering and we don't necessarily mean it. And we all do this. I'm just saying this personality style is very, is, is, is very prone to this. We say things that are flattering or we do things only to get something in return. When Mary responded to the angel, when Jesus stepped in, how do they do it? Pure hearts, right intentions, purest of intention, right? This is just more of a calculating way. Sometimes blame is the game. For this style of personality, it's always someone else's fault. And there's always blame to go. Why? Because they're so worried about feeling unworthy and unwanted and unloved. So quickly they deflect everything and blame. Now it's just potentially. Nobody's pointing fingers. It's just a potential possibility. Sometimes there's a desperate need to be needed. And again, it's why we say really flattering things to people that aren't necessarily true. Or we'll do things in a calculating manner. And because of that, it's very codependent. They can become. And the reason is this. If I say something to you, and then you say something back to me, and then I say something to you, and we just keep building each other up, none of it's real sincere or genuine. Not a Christ-like behavior. When Christ did it, he just stepped in because he saw the great need and out of pure intentions and a pure heart. Furthermore, sometimes there's poor sense of boundaries. There's poor sense of boundaries because they need to be needed. Sometimes, if this is you, just be aware of this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about this, right? It's like, well, if that hurt person has a problem, and if I take their problem on, they'll like me. And so they're taking on things that just they don't own. They're not theirs, right? There can be a very poor sense of boundaries. There's a false sense of generosity. Again, we're doing things to be liked, not out of the pure intention of our hearts, which is what Christ wants. It can become manipulative. Like, I'll say this, I'll do this, so that I can get you to do this. And very much more than any other personality style, this type tends to play victim more often. Now, these are all behaviors that can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. These are all things that we can work on, and we can become more Christ-like, and that's what we want to do. So let me give you some thoughts. If you say, this is really my overwhelming style, right? I model Christ and that I really step into need, I step into need, I step into need, but I see some of these in me, how would I be transformed? Number one, you're only transformed by the Holy Spirit, yes? The Holy Spirit transforms us, but we have to be willing to look at some things. And so I just say this again, suspend judgment, let the Holy Spirit speak, right? Here's some thoughts for you for transformation. Number one, try being anonymous sometime. Because on this personality style, it's very hard to be anonymous. Because if I'm anonymous, they won't know that it was me, and then I won't gain favor, and I w- they won't need me. Just, if you're going to do something, try to do it anonymously. You're not manipulating the situation, you're not, right? Just may not be an issue for you. But if that's you, try to do it anonymous. Ask these questions. What am I feeling? What do I need? This isn't about being self-absorbed. This isn't about you serving you. But this personality style in general never answers honestly, what do I need? Sometimes what you need is you need a brother or sister to come alongside you and pray for you. Say that. But, but it's hard for them to ask for that. Sometimes what you need is some help. Say that. Ask for help. Right? Remember this. They're not out to get you. That should just be a slogan for you. They're not out to get me. 
because they oftentimes feel the victim. Uh, I will say this, this personality style, as a general rule, it's harder than any other style to hear criticism. This has been very difficult for you, right? So just keep that in mind. If you know someone, if you love someone who's of this personality style, we love them because they model Christ for us. But just understand, this could be a difficult thing for them. A couple other things. Number one, respect fences. Like, I know this is hard for people sometimes, this boundaries issue. But I would say respect fences. You know, a fence is around your yard. And a fence is to keep you, like if you have small children, it's to keep them from getting out. Don't take on other people's problems that you don't own. Help them, support them, pray for them, minister to them, right? But don't take their problems on. You don't own them. And furthermore, don't let people dump their problems on you. That's not a Christ-like behavior. Believe it or not, that is not a Christ-like behavior. Healthy boundaries is a Christ-like behavior. No is a full sentence. You need to just know that. Because if someone asks you to do something, and you, you don't have a good excuse, you feel like you have to. Now, I'll tell you how this works in my world. We'll have something Sunday night. We'll have something Monday night. We'll have something Tuesday night. We'll have something Wednesday night. We don't have anything on, on Thursday night. We'll have a wedding on the weekend, which means there's a rehearsal on Friday and a wedding on Saturday. Somebody asked me if I can do something on Thursday night. Nope. That's the answer. No is a full sentence. We don't have to, if anything in your schedule is open, you must, as a Christian, you must pack out your schedule. It is the most unhealthy thing. Sometimes I say, no, I don't have anything planned for Thursday. And I think in my head, I have a wife. I'd like to keep a wife. I need my, I need my sanity. I need to be healthy. God's desire is, a, is for us to be emotionally, mentally healthy, right? And so sometimes the answer is, ah, that doesn't work for me. Doesn't. No is a full sentence. Start over. Do you need to start over? Are you in the middle of something? You, you've been ministering to somebody. You're, you're serving them. You're helping them. You're meeting the need. But the reality is, am I doing this to be liked? Am I doing this to be needed? Now, it doesn't mean you don't do it. But Christians, we've got to guard our hearts. Our intention needs to be right. Right? And then the last one is this. And I think this is a great question. What's my motive? No, not what's my motive. What's my real motive? Like, what is my motive really? Why am I really doing this? And again, it doesn't mean that we don't step in and meet a need, but are we doing it with wrong intentions? Am I just doing it to get noticed? Am I doing it to get attention? Am I and again, it's so that, doing it so that people will like me? That's not the heart of Christ. Christ stepped into need and he ministered to people out of pure intention. And so if that's you this morning, and you're a helper, we're glad you're here. We love you. You model Christ for us. We see you behave, and we praise God. We oftentimes say, wow, that's the work of God. That's the Holy Spirit working through that person. And so you model for it, and we appreciate you greatly. And we would say this, suspend judgment, let the Holy Spirit speak, let the Holy Spirit transform Right? We think oftentimes of, of who are human examples, who are people that we think of. Well, the greatest example for many of us, humanly speaking, is Mother Teresa. I mean, she's a relatively recent one, and we see the way that she stepped into Calcutta, and she saw children who were starving, and children who were orphans, and she stepped in, and she met needs, and she spent the rest of her life doing it. And I always thought it was interesting. People would say, oh, I want to serve here with you. I want to serve here with you. And she would say, no, go find your own Calcutta. Don't just copy me. Don't do it because people like me. What is God calling you to do? But I love her quote when she said this. 
Intense love does not measure. It just gives. And I would say this, Christ-like love, the love of God, doesn't measure. It's not trying to get kudos. It just acts. It just behaves. It is the Spirit of God working through us. Followers of Christ, we see need. We're all called to step into it. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the love of God in motion. We are the love of God in action. Some of you are wired that way, and you make an example for the rest of us that we can see, and we can mimic Christ. We can model Christ. And so what's the big so what coming out of this? The big so what is this. This is a helper. A helper responds to need. In word and in deed, yes, we speak and we act, but in truth as well. In truth. Our hearts are right. Our motives are right. It's for the glory of God. It's that God would gain attention. It's that eyes would be shifted onto God. It's so that people would see our Christ. Like, I just think there's so many opportunities for us to step into need. Like, y'all are doing a great job. You know, we have the coat drive and the hats and the, for the Afghan refugees. And we had to empty all the barrels, right? And we're, gonna, we're doing it through the end of the month. It's right inside the atrium. You'll still have time next week. If you've got a coat or a hat or gloves or a scarf, any winter wear, like, that's need, right? We don't want to just be a social organization that says, hey, we'll give you food, even when we do Food in the Hood on first and third Tuesdays of the month. We don't just say, here's food. We have food, but we want to minister the love of Christ. We want to minister to these people. That's what real helpers need. That's the behavior of Christ. We step in and we meet needs in word, yes. In truth, yes. In, 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 rather, in, in deed, yes, but in truth with pure hearts. I'm going to play a song for you. I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to sing a song. I'm going to play a song for you. And a, a billion people have asked me, where did that song come from? Where did that song come from? These were all written by the same artist. It's a Christian artist. His name is Ryan O'Neill. He, he had a Christian band at one time. He's done, done a lot of work. Um, but I just want you to know where these come from. You can find them online. But what's really interesting about this is he had his life really transformed because the Holy Spirit worked through that to cause him to examine himself. How am I behaving towards other people? But what's really interesting is when it's your song, when it's your song for your personality style, if you know your style, it's different. Sometimes some of you who are not this helper style, right, you'll see the lyrics to the song and you go, it's a song, right on. But when it's your style, I can tell you this, I'm the challenger. And when I saw that, that song and the lyrics, it was very emotional for me. And the following week, for people who were peacemakers, it was very emotional for them. And what's really interesting about this is he only has, so I found this fascinating, he only has, on, on, like on a, on a given song, it's only Christians who are of that personality style can work on the lyrics, can play any instrument, and work on any of the production. I thought it was really interesting. All followers of Christ, but all, so you never have the same musicians, and he's always the voice. So, helpers, this is for you. Watch this. Sweetheart, you look a little tired. When did you rest eat? Call in and make yourself right at home. Stay as long as you need. Something's wrong, you can call on me 
celebrate you this morning because you model Christ for us. You make the body of Christ better. Listen, we're not just a, we say this all the time, we're not a civic organization, we're not fraternity, we're a movement of God's people with a mission, and the mission is that all would know Christ. It's radically, if you're, if you're someone here who doesn't have a relationship with Christ yet, it has radically changed our lives. And we don't think it's good enough to just show up on a Sunday and sing a few songs. We want to live out Christ. We want the world to see. And part of the way we do that is we step into need. Helpers, you model that for us. You model that. We see it in you. We admire it. It draws us closer to Christ. And so just be open to this fact. Could there be some pitfalls? Would I allow the Holy Spirit to transform me, to strengthen me? right? What we care most about is people coming to know Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the example of Mary, but God, more than that, thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for the fact that Jesus isn't just an example. He's our savior. He's the only savior. He is God indeed. And we're grateful for that, Father. Thank you for these individuals in our body who modeled that for us. 